2: So, the king's goal wasn't from the king. The king's goal was who ruled the king. And who ruled the king? Not pagan gods, Satan. Satan is known as an angel of light, Satan is known as incredibly deceptive. And that wisdom with deception was the goal to train these young men for those three years.
0: Who's in control of your life? Today, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to be sure that every part of their life is dictated by God. Even in the book of Daniel, when King Nebuchadnezzar thought he had everything figured out on his own, he didn't realize he was falling into Satan's trap. The enemy's very cunning and deceitful. He's always looking for a way into your mind so that he might blind you from the truth. Daniel is a great example of a man who stayed glued to the Lord, despite many outside influences. Have you given every area of your life over to the Lord's command today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Living on Purpose.
2: As we begin the book today of Daniel, you'll see that since the beginning of time, Satan has had the exact same goal. The explanation of how we got there is simply this. First thing to write down tonight. Satan's goal is to have everybody conform to his way of living and not God's way. Now, Daniel never knew the Apostle Paul, and vice versa. But Paul wrote this verse you're very familiar with, Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you and me into a new person by changing the way we think. As we think, we become. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, what place does the book of Daniel in the Old Testament have? Well, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament is very similar to the book of Revelation in the New Testament. Old Testament, New Testament. As we begin this study, Daniel chapters 1 through 6 are all very practical. They're about Daniel and his three friends, you'll see, that are taken out of the the nation of Israel and headed over to Babylon. The last five chapters, seven through 12, are all about biblical prophecies. And you don't want to miss any of it because these are prophecies that are being fulfilled, some yet to be fulfilled in exactly our time. We begin Daniel one, one. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Remember, the nation of Israel had already been divided into his hand. Now, notice who gave. Notice who gave the land to Nebuchadnezzar, you'll see this. Along with some of the articles from the temple of God, we'll talk about that later in a chapter. These he carried off to the temple of, notice, his God in Babylonia and put the treasure house of, into the treasure of house of his God. See, Israel was God's nation. Created. Starting with Abraham. They were always God's people. They were be a light to the Gentile world. They were to show the Gentile world, no, don't go to all those pagan gods. There's only one true God. But in spite of God's love and continued patience, you heard that while the guys taught in the book of Exodus, Israel kept sinning. And they often fell to what we just read, peer pressure. Instead of them influencing the pagans, the pagans continued to influence the nation of Israel. And pretty soon they worshiped the same pagan gods. And as they did that for decades, because of the gods, a patient God, he would send prophets to them, warning the rulers of Judah, don't go there. Your idolatry, your immorality will eventually cause this nation to be ruined. But the people didn't believe God. See, I'm going to speak to you tonight, which is the Bible, all truth. God wasn't talking to himself. Well, you can take it or leave it. He said to the children of Israel, look, if you don't change, I'm going to bring judgment on you. And I'll bring judgment on you, From a pagan nation. Now, he warned them over and over again. You say, Pastor Mark, is that really true? Well, look at these verses. This is amazing. Isaiah 39, 6. These are spoken from the prophets to the people. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to, tell me where? To To Babylon. Nothing... How much? Nothing will be left. Here's the key, says the Lord. Look at Jeremiah. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to hand this city over to the Babylonians. And here you go. To Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who will capture it. Now, why was God doing this? Because he said this. If you will not repent and serve me, choose to sin, choose to suffer, and I'm going to punish your rebellion. So God allowed Judah as a nation to be taken into captivity in Babylon for 70 years by a pagan king, the most powerful nation in the world see, when we think of God's word in the Old Testament and things that are still to come, prophecy is interesting. You might want to write this down. Prophecy is simply God's pre-written history. God already knows everything that's going to happen. That's why he warned them. This wasn't like just a, well, maybe. And that's why we read the scriptures, because there's warnings to us. Repent, get right, do whatever. Now, Here's the next thing you have to understand tonight, since I'm talking to you about truth, obviously. Everything God predicts always happens. You can't find that with any human. That's impossible. Now, during the first three deportations, three different times people were carried off to Babylon, in 605 B.C., 600 years before Jesus, King Nebuchadnezzar brought many the first Kind of group of people to from Israel to Babylon. Among these was a young teenager named Daniel and his three friends. We don't know their exact age, some were between 15 and 18. Verse three Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring some of the Israelites. Notice, from the royal family, the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. And he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar's empire had just spread everywhere. You'll see later, he's the number one person ruling the world at that time, the known world. And because of that, he didn't have enough of his own young men to accomplish what he wanted to do. So he needed men, and that's why he brought these guys in, of great ability to fill these needs and, and these were going to be power needs. These were going to be the leadership under him in his administration. Now, he identified, he knew how to do it. Let's say this, he picked the cream of the crop from Israel. And uh, these Hebrew captives, who were from noble families, so they were well-trained already, they were educated, they kind of knew even at that age. And uh, these four Jewish teenagers... If you're single tonight, you would have liked to pick one of these guys because they were physically strong, handsome, socially experienced, well-liked by others, had one million hits on Facebook, mentally clean and well-educated, and on top of it, spiritually devoted to the Lord. Now, what was the goal of all this training? The goal of all this training from Nebuchadnezzar was to get them to compromise their beliefs. That was his goal. Squeeze them into the DNA of Satan and the pagan gods. Verse 5. Well, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine. Underline this from the king's table. They were to be trained... For three years. This wasn't a short-term thing. This wasn't a catch-me-up. And after that, of course, they would enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Now, the chief official, who was going to be with them during those three years, gave them new names. Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So the king's goal wasn't from the king. The king's goal was who ruled the king. And who ruled the king? Not pagan gods. Satan. Satan is known as an angel of light. Satan is known as incredibly deceptive, and that wisdom with deception was the goal to train these young men for those three years. Now, what did that goal look like? You may want to write this down today, just little words, because this is really what happens to all of us. And I'm going to relate this in a moment to our world, to our kids, to the next generation, to you and me, hello, New York City. First thing is, right there in the word, isolation. Now here's these four teenagers. We don't know how old they are. Like I said, 15, 18. But they're away from their families. They're not with their families. There's no more influence. There's no more temple. There's no more worship. Second is, they're going to be indoctrinated. They're going to get them. And and they're going to be challenged to everything they believed from the pagan viewpoint. See, everything they'd been taught from the Bible would now be challenged. Anyone want to agree that we see that everywhere today? In our churches? Exactly. Third, he's going to spoil them. Now think about this. If you're getting carried away as a captive to a foreign nation, what do you think is going to happen to you? They're probably thinking themselves, they're going to be slaves. But what are they going to be? The cream of the crop. You see, when they got there, they're offered a three-year advance, all-paid, full-board college course for three years. So he was trying to spoil them. Look, we know how to do it right. Stuff matters. You're going to be treated like kings. Forget your old way. It's going to be fantastic. And last, big one. We're going to change their identity. Now, their goal of doing that was to change their names. These four names that these young men had were all related directly underneath their name to the worship of Yahweh, the one true God. Every name they received from the chief official were subject underneath that name to the pagan gods. So the goal was that eventually, with their name changed, they would take their allegiance from Yahweh and give their allegiance to the Babylonian gods. Can you see Paul speaking this verse? Don't let the world, what, squeeze you into its way of thinking. This, it was planned out well. Three years of this. So the bottom line, you see it. You don't need to write it. I want you to understand that as we move through. Squeeze them into the DNA of Satan, which is 100% different than God. God is all truth. Satan can't speak the truth. Satan's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. God's goal is to give life. So the goal was to take that DNA of Satan in his kingdom and put it into these guys' life. Look at verse 8. Big deal in verse 8 if you've never done this in your Bible. The first word in verse 8 is what? Tell me. But circle it. But this was the instructions given to Daniel. By this new group of people that are controlling them. Here's what you're to do. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in any way. See, Daniel purposed, watch this, in his heart that he would kindly refuse. There's no picketing. There's not going to the guy and say, I ain't doing it. I don't care what you tell me to do. I'm not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not obeying you. We're not going to do it. So he kindly, wisely refused to defile himself. Now, the only one that's doing this at the moment is Daniel. See, there's always a leader that God has. If, you're, if you think you're a leader, you have to look around and see if anybody's following you. If you're not a leader and you look around, you, there's nobody following you, you're just taking a walk. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's Daniel. He's the only one that's stepping up. Somebody has to step up and take the lead. Now, why the heart? Well, the Old Testament says we have to guard our heart because out of it comes, in Proverbs 4, the spring well of life. What does that mean? Just write it down. Vera. Sebastian, Orlando, you guys online here in Melbourne. Our heart is the control center where all decisions of life are made. That's why the Bible warns us you can't have a hard heart. You have to have a soft heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart first, then mind, body, soul. So the heart is the center of our intellect, our thinking. It's the center of our emotions, And the big part is, it's the center of our will. What am I going to do? So we have to guard our own heart. Now, why, with this amazing food laying out for three years, three squares a day or whatever they did, why did Daniel take this bold, personal stand? Well, Daniel knew that the incredible food did not conform to the requirements of the Jewish law. Now, the fact that it was prepared by Gentiles made it already unclean. Second, no doubt many of the foods that would be served to them, of course, would be forbidden by the law, but they would be served on the king's table. And any kind of those kind of foods, you can go back to Leviticus and all the rules and regulations, would actually defile him, so he couldn't do it. But the big one was number three. Without a doubt, this royal food would have been sacrificed to pagan gods. Just as you and I pray and thank God for our food, the pagans would offer sacrifices and that's true today. You can go anywhere in Asia and many other places. They, they, they bring fruits. They bring stuff. Uh, you know, In the countries that are Buddhist, the, the, the Buddhist priests go down the street, collect food from you, and, and you're giving it to, uh, to be a worship of a pagan god. Well, he knew that what exactly there. And, and that's totally contrary to Exodus 34, 15, where the Jews were forbidden to eat any food that had been offered to pagan gods. Now, when you see all of that, when you read what Daniel's just done, how can we apply that to us? It's a big deal. Here's what I want you to write all over campuses. Take a look. Taking a stand for God requires knowing and obeying the Bible. How about mixed marriages? How about homosexuality? How about living together before you're married? Does the Bible say anything about any of that? Of course, that's not negative. That's God protecting us from stupidity. But people are afraid to do what? To take a stand. So, the key why do we teach the Bible? So you know when you see that word, if I'm going to take a stand, I have to know what the Bible says to be able to stand for it. This relationship with God is not about rules and regulations. It's about the living word of God. And that's what we're studying tonight. It's the living word of God. Amen. Now, here's the big part. When did Daniel purpose in his heart? He wouldn't do it. Well, to be honest, long before this temptation came, He decided in his life, probably no doubt, as they were being taken to Babylon. See, Daniel was raised by godly parents. And maybe his parents, maybe even sat down with him. Son, you're going in the first deportation. Remember what God's taught us. You can't turn to the right. You can't turn to the left. You have to follow God wholeheartedly. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, he would have been indoctrinated with the word of God. And as he got there, he didn't have to sit down and go, do you have a lobster on that table? (laughs) By the way, lobster is not kosher. Shame on all, no, just relax. (laughs) Go to Olive Tree, Olive Garden instead of Red Lobster. Okay, here we go. Long before he'd made a decision Now, here's the key. Trying to make a decision when you're in the middle of facing the temptation, it's too late. There isn't a person here that doesn't understand that truth. When you look back at something and you say, what was wrong? What was I thinking? We gave in because we didn't purpose in our heart ahead of time.
0: Satan's goal is to have everyone conform to his way of living and not God's way. Today, we were challenged by Pastor Mark to not copy the behavior and customs of the world, but to allow God to transform our hearts and minds through being in his word. Our heart is our control center where all the decisions of life are made. Do you have his word in your heart today so you might effectively take a stand for God in this corrupt world?
3: You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County, and you don't have a home church, and today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 779-3441. That's 779-3441 or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Did
0: you know that taking a stand for God is contagious? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us that by obeying God, we will defeat peer pressure and fear pressure. The world and all people in it are constantly trying to influence others. You can be strong in the Lord today by adhering to his word and all that you do. When we put God first, God will always bless our obedience to Him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living. Together, let's do life right.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting to your